23. Jesus calms the storm. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off into the town. They went into the town and reported this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. Um, please take a moment to uh, welcome the person next to you. As uh, just get ready for. Dear Lord, as we uh, consider your word this evening, please be with us and aid us in our understanding. Uh, please uh, use your word to change our hearts and our minds. Uh, may those who are here who do not know you, may they know you tonight and may those who know you well uh, grow in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, what's wrong with the leaders of this world? Uh, You all know about the crisis in the Ukraine and the way that's been going. Um, The way the leaders of the world seem to be handling it just seems a bit pitiful to me. Uh, You've got... uh, one side calling sanctions on the other and then the other calls sanctions back. They even cancel passports and freeze finances and do all strange things. But you kind of get the feeling that unless someone's actually going to put troops against the Russian troops in, in, uh, in the Ukraine, that nothing's actually going to change and Putin will get his way. Even the United Nations is useless uh, with Russia having the ability to veto anything substantial. Um, they're can't do anything. The truth is that we live in a broken world and this world is subject to frustration. We all think we can control it, but we are all absolutely powerless. We struggle to maintain control over ourselves, uh, never mind others. There is really no prospect for world peace, no prospect for poverty to be eliminated and no prospect for the natural world to be ever restored to its former glory. 
The world is truly broken. What we need is someone that can fix the situation. What kind of man would this be? Tonight's passage provides the answer and it begins with Matthew's account of the storm. So please keep your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The boat has got out into the lake and Jesus has fallen asleep in the boat. All is calm and then, bam, a storm breaks out. It was sudden and it was violent. And the waves immediately start crashing into the boat and it starts filling with water. Jesus is asleep, but the disciples are panicking. Verse 25, the disciples went to Jesus and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. It's a pretty terrifying moment. The disciples, at least four of them are fishermen and they're used to being on the water. They would probably have been used to storms, but this is no normal storm. They probably started bailing water from the boat and maybe a couple have started trying to row to shore. But they quickly realise that they aren't going to make it. The boat they're in is small. It's not a modern ferry or a fishing trawler. It's a small boat and the waves are bigger than the boat. So the boat is filling up fast. Jews also were known to fear the sea because of its chaotic nature. The disciples weren't good swimmers. They were either going to get that boat to shore or they were going to drown. And they've cracked it. They've finally succumbed to fear, fear for their lives. They are in a panic. They fear they will drown and in the last moments they turn to their master who has been asleep. Jesus, their teacher and master, he ought to have some idea about what to do. In their distress they turn to the one they think might be able to make a difference. What would you do next? Today it might be get on the mobile phone and call the Coast Guard or you know, call someone for rescue or if it was really bad maybe you're calling your parents and, and saying how wonderful your life's been. But what would Jesus do? Perhaps he ought to get the water out of the boat. Perhaps he should help with the rowing. What can he do? For the disciples, it's something, anything. Now, we know this story well enough to know what's really going to happen. But what does Jesus say? In verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? The disciples have been afraid and Jesus connects their fear to their faith. Their little faith. For the disciples, the preaching and the miracles that Jesus has done so far should have been enough to convince him of who he was and what his mission was, but that seems to evade them for the moment. They should have confidence in what Jesus is able to do, but they don't really know that Jesus can help because they really don't know him yet. They've been panicked and distressed by a storm and they're called to their master has been a last-minute grasp of straws. With the Son of God with them, there is no reason to fear. It comes down to this. They appealed for help, but did not trust that Jesus could save them. So they were afraid. They could not entrust themselves to him. Jesus then shows them exactly why they need not be afraid. Continuing in verse 26, Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now consider for a moment the authority of Jesus. He has commanded the wind and the waves to be calm and the wind and the waves respond. 
What do you think would happen if any one of us tried that? Nothing. Maybe the other people in the boat would think you were a nutter. During the Summer Olympics in Beijing, they set up artillery around and shot special uh, special objects into the sky to try and generate rain when they needed it. I don't know if that really worked or not, but what Jesus has done here is a whole other thing. Jesus spoke and creation responded. The words here say it was immediately calm. The wind stops straight away and the water goes calm straight away. That's not not how nature normally works. So this is real power, power over the creation. Take special note of how it was done as well. It was the voice of Jesus. It was not a prayer. It was just his spoken word. And this is made clear in the next verse. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. The wind and the waves obeyed him. There can be no doubt the eyewitnesses to this event tell us that Jesus spoke and then everything went immediately still. This is the power of creation in Jesus' hands. And the disciples asked not, who is this? But what kind of man is this? They realise that the power of Jesus has just shown puts him in an entirely new category. They have seen his power and been amazed. They know that this is the power of God displayed by Jesus the man. Perhaps the thing that came to the mind of the disciples was the creation story of Genesis. It is God who merely speaks and creation comes into being. The source of God's authority over creation is that he created it and he upholds it. It is his spoken word which both created it and can change it in a heartbeat. There are multitudes of places in the Bible where the power of God over nature is displayed but it's an attribute only ever ascribed to God. Our first reading this evening talked about God's power over the sea. Psalm 107 verse 24. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. Verse 28. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper and the waves of the sea were hushed. The Lord God is the one who controls the wind and the waves. Many of you will also remember our recent studies of Jonah. Uh, God sends the storm and as soon as Jonah is thrown overboard, God stops the storm. Only God, who is the creator, has control over the wind and the waves. So when Jesus stilled the wind and the waves with his command... We know Jesus is God. Jesus Christ has power over creation, so the disciples had no reason to fear, but they were afraid. They did not truly trust that Jesus would save them. Now in the incident that follows, fear is also present and very real. But who was afraid? Verse 28, When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one would pass that way. It is the people of the region who are afraid. They are afraid of the two men, so violent that no one would go near them. They are violent, they will throw fists, they will kick, beat anyone who comes across their path. They will probably scare the living daylights out of anybody and then thrash them until they fled or 
or even died. And we're told that these men are possessed by demons. These demons are real. They have taken possession of the men and control their actions. They are destructive, they're evil and they harm not only those around them but the people they possess also. And more still, they are enemies of Jesus. Demons are in constant rebellion to God. So two demon-possessed men come from the tombs to meet Jesus. What should we expect to happen here? Verse 29, What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. They might be shouting, but there's no real violence shown. They don't try to prevent Jesus and those with him from going past. They come to Jesus and they speak to him. They ask him what he wants with them. This is a totally different character to what the town has seen of them. Now that Jesus has arrived in the region, you can see that the possessed men aren't behaving like they were. This might be reminiscent of school days when the teacher's out of the room and the class bully starts throwing things around the classroom, trying to hit people in the back of the head, running right, trying to be disruptive, stopping people from doing their work. And then the teacher comes in the room and then all of a sudden he's back down in his chair, eyes front. Was it me, sir? It might seem like that, but it's quite different because here we've got true evil, demonic evil inside these men. This is the unrepentant evil, evil that doesn't care that it does wrong. This evil would kill the other children in the classroom, then the teacher and then leave with a smile on its face. But this demonic evil, this worst of evils, is restrained before Jesus. It is held back, it is bound, it is tied up. They address Jesus as the Son of God. It's common in the New Testament, the demons know who Christ is. They don't like it, but they call him by his title. And there is something else very important that they know and they definitely don't like. Continuing verse 29, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? They don't really know what Jesus intends right now, but they are fearful of him. Have you come to torture us? The word torture here can also mean punish. They know what they have done and they expect punishment from the Son of God. But more than this, it says, have you come to torture us before the appointed time? They also know that they are destined for judgment in the future and this is the appointed time that they speak of. They know they will be subject to Jesus not just now but in the future. The appointed time is the coming judgment of Christ. He will judge the living and the dead and those who believe in him will be saved. Those who do not will be cast out with the demons into the lake of fire. The demons know this is coming. The demons will always remain in rebellion to God and as such their destiny is that lake of fire. Surely these demons are mocking the Christ. Surely they don't fall under his actual authority. Maybe this is just a ploy to get closer before they stick the knife in. Verse 30. Some distance from them a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. What an acknowledgement of authority. The demons pleaded, they begged Jesus to send them into the pigs. They know Jesus and they know that he will heal the man and cast them out. 
their fate is in the hands of Jesus Christ. And they plead for an alternative. The demons have a right to be afraid. The judge and the creator stands before them and they know who is in control. The demons are afraid. What happens next is then one of the strangest things to occur in the Bible and maybe history. Verse 32, he said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. There is no clearer demonstration in the Bible of both the existence of demons and Christ's control over them. The demons are afraid of Jesus and obey his commands. The demons flee to the pigs and the destructive influence that they once had on the demon-possessed man they now have in the pigs. The demons have clearly left the men and have clearly gone into the pigs. The pigs then die in the quickest possible way. Christ has power over demons, over evil, and the demons are afraid. The people of the region were afraid of the demon-possessed men, but the power of Christ meant they no longer had a reason to be afraid. They had in their presence the one who can heal sickness and disease, who can cast out demons, who has control of the creation itself. Surely he would be welcomed and greeted. Surely they would bring out their sick and their needy And surely Jesus would sit with them, comfort them and heal them of all their ills. Surely. Verse 33. Those attending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave the region. Can you imagine it? The whole town comes out to meet him. Crowds are not unusual to Christ, but these are looking to chase him away. The whole town has come out. You can imagine the mayor followed by the town councillors, followed by everyone else in the town. Maybe the the pig farmer is uh, whispering in the mayor's ear, these guys have got to go, they're causing trouble, or there'll be more trouble. But this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, with power over creation, with power over the demons, with power over evil, and they kick him out of town. They're completely unconcerned about what Jesus can do for them. Christ comes with saving power, the ability to conquer evil, and instead the town has not accepted him. Isn't that ridiculous? Christ has come to them, performed a miracle before them. He has proven his power beyond doubt, and the town sends him away. The town, even without knowing it, have rebelled against Christ. They have rejected the saviour of the world, They have seen what he can do and still send him packing. They heard what happened to the demon-possessed man, but this was not enough for them. They turned Jesus away. Now, imagine being from that town, having sent Jesus away and then seeing Jesus again at the judgement. Imagine for a moment the first recognition that the judge is the one that you sent away. Imagine the moment of realisation that he knows you and then your dread of what's going to come. Tonight we've seen Christ has power over evil. Christ came to free us from evil, not just that of the demons, but of the evil within us, which is sin. It's easy to consider this town and think how crazy they were. The creator God in flesh, Jesus Christ himself, was on their doorstep and they pushed him away. 
But Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. This rebellion we all have in common. We have all rebelled against God and we all deserve the same punishment that is reserved for the demons. Christ, however, in God's great mercy has come to save us. We know he can because this is God in the flesh, the one who commands creation, the one with power over evil and he's the judge. He has the authority that is God's and and can forgive our sins. He can forgive our rebellion. When Jesus arrived on the town's doorstep and demonstrated his power in front of them, the town did not welcome him. How ridiculous. But Jesus Christ died on the cross and was raised to life and this was not done in secret but before many witnesses. If you don't trust in Christ, if you do not acknowledge Christ as Saviour and Lord, then you remain in rebellion. Just like the town who sent Jesus away. But the fate of the demons does not need to be yours. Instead, turn to Christ and he who has power over all evil and over all creation will save you. If you trust in Christ, you have no reason to be afraid. You have a hope for the future. Christ is the Lord of all creation. It is by him that the world was created. And the Bible tells us that it will bring into being a new heaven and a new earth that will be without evil. Only the one who has creative power and power over evil can do that. Jesus will bring us that new heaven and that new earth and there will be no evil in it. And that life awaits you, no matter what happens here. If you trust in Christ, you've heard tonight also that this is not some, just some future matter. It's, it's here today already. Christ does not promise that you won't meet storms, that you won't run into demons, but he who has power over creation and all evil will protect you. With trust in Christ, with faith, you have no need to fear. The storms and trouble of our life are never bigger than the Lord can deal with. Never think that your faith is not big enough. It's not the size of the faith that matters. The disciples weren't saved because of the size of their faith. They had little faith. And Jesus saved them also. Instead, it's not the amount of faith that's important. Instead, it's how great the Lord is. It is he who does the saving. We live in a broken world, a world that is subject to frustration. And what we need is someone that can really fix that situation, someone who can fix our sinful selves, rebuild the world as new and get rid of all evil. What kind of man would this be? Our faith, our trust is in Jesus Christ the one who has power over creation, who has power over evil and he is the one who can truly save us and lead us into eternal life. So what do we have to fear? Nothing in Christ Jesus. Let us pray.